Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Currently, my conversation with Ashley Sweeney, the winner of the 2017 Nancy Pearl Book Award for Genre Fiction, is up on the uh, on author, but uh, our October issue is coming out very soon, and actually, uh, my conversation for that issue will be with none other than Nancy Pearl herself, who has just published her first novel, and it's a good one. Lizzie and George. So look forward to that next week sometime. You can find it at authormagazine.org. And, of course, we're funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn about the PNWA at pnwa.org. Uh, I'm going to be teaching a bit this uh, month. If you're going to find yourself at the Writers Digest um, uh, Writers Conference down in Los Angeles at the end of the month. I think it's the 26th to the 28th. Um, I will be there uh, teaching Fearless Writing, Fearless Writing Workshop, and also a workshop on the three narrative arcs in every story. So if you're going to the uh, the uh, Writers Digest Writers Conference, it's a novel writing conference, I believe. Again, it's in Los Angeles, in Pasadena. Uh, I hope to see you there. I will also be talking to the Willamette Writers Association in Portland uh, on the 7th of uh, November, if you're part of that wonderful organization. I hope to see you there at the old church. And the day after, I will be teaching a fearless writing workshop at um, Tabor Space, which is not far from not far from the old church. So if you're interested in that workshop, it'll be from 9 to 12 a.m. Wednesday, November 8th. You can go on williamcanower.com, and there's a link right there on the homepage to that workshop. So I'd love to see you there. Speaking of teaching, well, I got a good one here today. I, uh, Marisha Ducharme, is, uh, she's a unique combination of mystic teacher and author and is the founder of the Snow Dragon Sanctuary. The sanctuary is a contemplative center for all faiths and traditions, uh, Marisha has guided and inspired countless students over many years. She's a dedicated practitioner of unity consciousness. She has distilled more than three decades of study, training, and teaching and practice into her simple and insightful book, uh, The Way Home to Love, A Guide to Peace in Turbulent Times. And I must say, times are a little turbulent right now. She's just the woman we need to talk to, I think. Marisha, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Deep breath. So let's see. A guide to peace in turbulent times. I don't usually like that expression, Marisha, turbulent times, but I have to say the times right now do seem a little more turbulent than normal. What do you think? Well, I think that times are always challenging. You know, I think that, that life uh, and the life lessons that we have are, are very challenging. But we seem to have reached a, a kind of... Um, uh, crescendo in uh, yeah. you know our what everybody's calling our unintended consequences. So <laughs> right. we're we're living with so many factors that are that are all kind of colliding at one time. So I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's always there, and then I and then I also think paradoxically that it's it's kind of more chaotic than ever. Uh, so I just quickly for our our listeners, you're. Uh, 
spiritual teachers, this, I guess the easiest way to describe what you do, you have a center and you talk to people about life and how and sort of how to, I'll let, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how to frame the experience of life to help them grow and be as, at, sort of live their best life. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes. It's really about um, helping uh, people and creating a space where people can enter so that they can integrate in their, you know, their bodies, their emotions, their minds, and their spirits. You know, in, our, right. in our culture, we're very uh, kind of outer-oriented and we're stimulated a lot. And, you know, in order to kind of feel whole, uh, we need to create time for inner experience as well. And so that's the focus right. at, at the sanctuary. Yes. I, I love that, the inner experience. I, I, I always think it's so relevant to writers who, as you know, if you're like anybody, you go about your day sort of bopping around, dealing with the external world, the sort of stimulation of other people and things and places. But when you sit down to write, um, you have to give up that stimulation and look entirely within for all the stimulation and all the inspiration. And it seems to me that that experience is going to the same place that I think you're guiding your, your students. It really, it is. It's, that, it's, the, it's the territory within us, and the territory within us does not have a, a predetermined agenda. It's a, it's a space right. that exists that is so open and can be filled with, you know, inspiration, insight, guidance, and whether it's, you know, the inspiration for, you know, how to live or, or what project to put your hands and heart to, or whether it's that, you know, that piece of writing that you're working on. It's, uh, yeah. it's very much the same place. But you have to believe it's there, don't you? You have to go, you, yeah, can't, you have I, to, you can't choose what you don't think exists. Yeah, I think that you have to give yourself to it in the beginning on faith and just try it and create for yourself the experience. Once you've once you've created the experience one time even, you've tapped into it a little bit, you know yeah. that you can tap into it again. Yeah. And when people come to you, where are they usually on their on their journey? Um how much how, how much of a shift in their perception about sort of reality do you need to help them see so that they can begin the sort of teaching that you're offering or they kind of, do they tend to come to you having dabbled in a lot of sort of spiritual teachings in their life well it's it's really really both i mean people are at all different levels and so yeah. so anybody can be at any level they can be at a very kind of novice beginner level they might be uh, practitioners who have been practicing for a long time and, and everything in between. And so each experience is really a personal experience. And the teaching touches each person at whatever level they're at. Um, yeah. So it's nothing that, you know, that, that it has to be structured at all. It's just very, uh, very natural. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the book is called uh, The Way Home to Love, A Guide to Peace in Turbulent Times. I've, for some reason, I've been thinking about this a lot on my own already, uh, just kind of looking for the right language for what I talk about a lot of the times. And it seems to me you could almost exchange the words love and peace. They're, they're two different words, but they are almost, I think, interchangeable experientially, for me anyway. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? 
It does yeah, make sense. What we sense. call peace and is love, and what we call love is peace. Yes, I, I really agree with that. Um, I really agree with that. Uh, the the essence of love is is a very it's a very peaceful uh, it's a very peaceful place, and the essence of peace is full of love. I yeah. really agree with you. Yeah, I guess like, maybe the difference is um, is that love. If, is that it, there is this quality of movement to it, whereas peace suggests stasis, although I really don't think it is, but love has a sense of movement towards something, whereas peace mm-hmm. feels like rest. Does that, mm-hmm. is that kind of, that's the one distinction, I guess, but they feel like the sa- two, ex- two branches off the same thing in a way. Yeah, or, or, or you know, the, the two sides of the same hand, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And really, love is you know the, the the stream of love. It's a very receptive um, experience um, that we were talking about already in this conversation, which is that really that vast territory within that's connected to the larger. Uh, I call it a divine current. Um, yeah. You can call it various things, but that divine current uh, is there for each of us to tap into. And absolutely. Uh, to be taken, you know, to be taken um, with uh, that that current, and and then whatever whatever happens, then is uh, a beautiful experience. Um, whether it's your spiritual path, whether it's your you know writing your book, or whether it's just living your life day to day in a in a very simple and good and beautiful way. You know, when I teach writing, I talk to people about what is often called what I call the flow. And the reason which I also like the word current, I use that very word a lot myself, because to me, when I'm in that state of flow, when I'm connected to that current, I always feel as though the current is something I am not wholly responsible for, but which I am wholly a part of. So I didn't make it, but I did allow it through and then participated fully in it. But it is providing the momentum and the direction but I did not wholly yeah. create it. It just doesn't feel accurate. Yeah, yeah and in and, and my language, I would say that, you know, I'm not the initiator, that, um, uh, that there is, a, there is a, an essence or an energy that exists that I am part of um, that I can connect with and that can take right. me, uh, but this energy is also larger than me. <laughs> right. And it's important, mm-hmm. I feel like, to, look, to understand your role in it. So in other words, you, so you can't initiate it, but your role is to, con- your job, so to speak, is to connect to it. That's your, how you participate in it. Um, yes. Quieting you your mind it. enough. Yeah, go go ahead. Alice. No, you go ahead. Well, so you know, how, or to connect with it in we, some we, way. Yeah, we, we connect with it. And then, um, the the characteristics and the qualities that make up who we are as a personality can be used in various ways. And so, you know, our natural inclinations and our natural assets uh, can be tapped and can be used for various things in various uh, ways of, of creating. And so when you talk about personality, you're talking about when you say your natural aspects, it's sort of you, you mean the, the – the, the sort of unique way you are oriented in this world, that your unique Correct. set of curiosities and, and I say curiosity maybe, um, can, can apply mm-hmm. it in some unique way. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, for me, you know, I, as, a, as a young girl, even in, in uh, the fourth grade, I was starting to uh, teach people. The, the, the teacher had me assisting some of the students. And, right. and then as I got older and older, I always found myself teaching. Everything I yeah. did was involved with teaching. And I, I, it's just because I had some, some natural qualities that were that of a teacher. And, and yeah. so we are, we're all born with, with certain, you know, attributes that we, that we use in the world. Yes. And I think uh, one of our challenges or one of, I think one of the first and best things we can do is say, you know, <laughs> what comes easiest to me? What, what mm-hmm. am I drawn to most effortlessly? That always feels like the path for whoever we are. What is it you can do without having to work against the current of your own interest, basically? Yeah, and I that feel makes... like that, that's easily answered if we trust our inspirations. You know, people will often say, oh, I had a really good idea, but, you know, I really can't do that. It's not very practical or whatever. But I really right. feel like the inspirations that come in are, are they come there and they inspire us for a reason. And if we're, if we're brave enough, um, we, will, we will go with our, what we are inspired by. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, I had this conversation with my wife not that long ago, and I said, I said, Jen, I am sick of my plans. They never work. They never develop like I think they're going. I said, but the inspired ideas, those always work out. Those ideas that come to me and are so interesting, they, they always lead me someplace good, and my plans just, they're just, it's a lot of work and never seems to amount to anything. And I said, I am, the reason I said, I'm just done trying to plan it all out. It never works. It never has worked. And the, inspir- the inspired idea is so much, more, so much more effortless and such a better path to go. But it took me years to really just kind of admit that. I don't know if it's my, sort of my male side or something. I don't know. But I finally had to let it go. It took me a long time. I'm glad I did. But it took me a while. Yeah. I thought I had got to be in charge of this somehow. I don't know. Right. You know, that's you know? Um, in, in, my, in my language, I would say that, um, you know, when we make the, the plans and we set the agenda up, that's our, that's our personality, ego, self at work in the world. Yeah. And we feel like we have to make it all happen. And the soul is the one that receives the inspiration and is connected to that divine current. So I, I often say, you know, uh, I talk a lot about how to live a soulful life uh, so that it is inspired and it becomes uh, much more effortless than trying to make it all happen. Because it never works out. It never. And, but you know what's tricky is that effortlessness, I always describe writing as the search for the effortless path because the right story, the right scene, the right sentence, the right word is the one that fits in effortlessly. It's the one you don't have to force. So you really are searching for the effortless path. But I feel that there is a temptation or there's an inclination in this whole sort of society, I think Western and Eastern, to, as an adult to sort of um, kind of romanticize effort, that trying hard is a sign of, maturation and diligence and that sort of as an adult person to make your way in the world, you have to work hard. And Mm. I I sort of believed that. And yet it was always that thing that was easiest and most effortless that brought me the most fulfillment and also kind of the success that I thought the hard work was supposed to, but never did. Does that make sense? Well, 
it makes sense, you know, that that's a program that, you know, you have to work really, really hard. Now, of course, being aware and present, it's not hard work, but one is very attentive and responds, responds yeah. to life. So there's responsibility, but it's done yeah. It's done in that flow. You know, it's done, it's done with that current um, holding you while you're doing it rather than the, the pre-programmed uh, idea that everything has to be hard. Yeah, because you have mm-hmm. to get over that. I tell you, I spent a lot of time teaching my students. Like, it's you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. You're su- this is supposed to be fun. I know that like that's like been set aside for retirement or whatever or the weekends. <laughs> but the whole thing, it's, you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. Like that's the that's how you know you're doing it right. And that felt like childhood to a lot of them. You're like, well, no, no, no I'm a grown up now, and you know, I got to toil away. But it's supposed to be fun, not just the writing, Absolutely. but hopefully everything. Yeah. Well, of course, embodied within love, you know, is, is joy. And uh, yep. uh, I, I really hope that if people read my book, they can take just one thing away and, and notice that it is possible and that it really exists within each of us to tap into that and to yeah. to find that. Yeah, love isn't something you – love isn't something you create, but simply you simply express. Because I, I think there's a sense like – Happiness and love is sort of when you assemble the pieces of life. Okay, everything's right now. It's conditional love, I guess. You assemble, all, okay, now I'm happy. Now that I, I, I know I'm loved because this person has said it or I've sold this book, but it's really completely inside out. It's the exact opposite. It's something you find within and then let through as opposed to kind of create in your environment. I agree. I, I agree. Love mm-hmm. um, love already exists, and then when again when we – when we tap into it, love loves through us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that great quote. I don't know if you're familiar with Course in Miracles. It's one of my favorite books. And, I know. Uh, you're familiar with it. Well, there's a great line in that. Well, there's a lot of good stuff. But when they talk about human action, that all human actions are either an expression of love or an asking for love. You know, so that from from a kiss to a, a murder even, that everything is either an attempt to express love or ask for it. Because even yes. violence is an attempt to is a sort of very extreme way to sort of try to find love in an odd way. Does that, and, does that resonate? Yeah, and what I yeah what I found through years of working with people that at the bottom of all of the you know the different challenges and 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 the scenarios in life that people were going through is really this very very deep need just to love and to be loved. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's I think that's what you're talking about. It is, and and it's really at the core of everything because, I, you know, I say to my students, you, you know, not one of you, I, I don't know who you are, I don't know anything about you, but I do know none of you wants to be unloved, none of you wants to be unhappy, none of you wants to be bored, none of you wants to be frustrated, all of you want to be interested and happy and excited. That is absolutely universal. I don't care. The globe where east, west, black, white, man, woman, everybody wants to feel good all the time, always, right? Always. Yes. It never stops. Yes. It's true. That's what everybody's searching for. You know, everybody's running around really looking and, and searching in various, various ways and trying to fill themselves up with, you know, different experiences and, and, and material things and adventures and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, uh, it's, it's so much more simple than that because it resides within us. 
it's it's yeah. a, it's a really kind of like a trick where we think it's outside of us, but it's it's actually inside of us already. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. It's the the you and know the story of. The, um, go ahead. Uh, one of my one of my teachers also describes love very simply by saying that, you know, love is the absence of conflict, and so, so uh, yeah. through the spiritual practices, uh, I teach you know how to release the conflict. Uh, in order to be able to find that stream of love. Yeah, and conflict is really where we're we're in argument with life in a way, aren't we? I mean, it's where we we're 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 in argument with we're resisting what is, because mm-hmm. without the resistance there can't be conflict, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's being it's resisting what is, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Yeah, in in meditation we can we accept we accept without trying to change anything. We accept everything as it is. And as yeah. we learn how to do that, things get easier. Yeah. Yes. And so let me ask you this. This is one when you when you what would you say to the skeptical, the skeptic, you know, the the sort of uh material scientific materialist would say uh, the big question is always, well, then why suffering? If this thing, if we are all one and it's all love and there's this loving current running through everything, why is there so much suffering? Why are people doing such horrible things? We've just seen something in Las Vegas recently. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. If, this is, if we well, are things of love, why this? Well, because as a human being, we're born, and when we're born, we're born with unconsciousness and consciousness. So there's a great part of ourselves which we can say, you know, is the shadow. We're not even fully aware of how it functions within us. But it's the unconscious habitual forces that can influence us. Um, Unless we begin to uh, learn how to wake up and be fully engaged in the totality of who we are, if we're unconscious, we can make a lot of choices that create suffering. If we become conscious we can make different choices that don't create so much suffering. But as human beings, we're all in it together. So, yeah. so we also endure other people's unconsciousness as they endure our unconsciousness. Yeah. Yes. I, I think the, one of the ways we almost always create, we, we, others suffer because of our actions, is we believe that we'd be happier if only other people would either behave differently or be dead or not live here. It's the, I will be happy when all these other people start doing things the way I want them to do them, the way I think they should be doing it or they shouldn't be doing it, that my happiness and, lies and, in the behavior of other people. Yeah, and it's exactly the opposite of that because we have no control <laughs> right. over other people's actions at all. But what we do have yeah. control over is our own either reactions or, or eventually, rather than reacting, we learn how to respond and we learn how to find that center uh, within us, which is peaceful in the, in the territory within. And to the skeptics, I would say, you know, spend a little bit of time in the experience of uh, breath work and meditation and uh, have your own experience to examine uh, the benefits of it. Yeah. Well, it really comes down to is love, 
which I will link in with peace, which is the only thing we want, is it conditional or unconditional? And it's the answer is that it's unconditional. If it's unconditional, then it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, sick or well. It's your ultimate well-being has nothing to do with any condition, meaning what people say to you or what's being done or where you live or who's president. It's ultimately unconditional. You don't. I and, agree. And, I, I agree. You know, but completely. you have to really. You have. It's all or nothing. It can't be. Well, it's mostly conditional. It's most. <laughs> it's all. It's all or nothing. Because if there's even one little speck that's conditional, including death, because that's the big one, isn't it? Death. Yeah. There's a condition that we all agree sucks. But it's all going to happen to everybody, right? Yeah. And yeah. So I would imagine. What do you tell your What do you tell your students about death? Because that's got to come up. But I'm sure some of them have lost people, and it's been very difficult for them, and they're worried about well, themselves. I, I mean, I look at death as part of the journey of the soul. You know, the cycle of birth and death are are part of the of the great circle of life that we live in, and every living thing upon the earth is part of that same cycle. And so, you know, just as we were born, we, we will die. And the steps and the stages that we go through as a soul in life teach us something every, every stage of the way. And, uh, you know, my mother just lived with us for three years, uh, a few years back, and she died here with, uh, at our home on Snow Dragon Mountain. And we took care of her. And it was, it was uh, I know this sounds very strange, but it was an amazing experience uh it was uh it was an amazing experience that I, I i still as of yet can't fully put words to but what i did learn and what she shared with me by being with us is that i'm not afraid of death uh, right it was an amazing transition and uh it's 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 something that is part of our uh experience i i, I think if if you can if we could teach people not to be afraid of death i've 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 interviewed some people who have had these phenomenal they call them death travels they don't even call them near death experiences they feel they did die and come back and they've come back without fear of death and because they it wasn't a terrible experience for them and i think if there's one thing i would love to be able to teach people is how not to be afraid of death cuz i do think that that threat casts a shadow in fact, I would say that how what you th- what the story you tell yourself about death is the story you tell yourself about life. I think that there mm-hmm. that what you think death is is what you think life is. Mm-hmm. I just think you can't get around it. If it's just the end, well, I, like I um, I look I look at it as part of the um, uh, you know that that continuing never ending cycle because we're born. And we're born into the world of materialization, which is this physical world. And we die, and we return to the world of spiritualization. And then we return again, we're born into the world of materialization. And so it goes back and and forth, you know. Um, It's actually actually a continuum, even though we don't see it as that. Right. I always think of it like uh, the metaphor of lightning, that like you see a, a flash of lightning. And it, and it and for that brief thing it exists. I mean, there's this crackling yellow light in the air, but the energy that is the lightning existed before the lightning and exists once the lightning has dissipated. It always existed. The energy that became the lightning, and so it's there. Now it's not there, but the energy that was the lightning is still there from a sort of yeah, the, yeah, the energy is never ending. 
Yeah. Right, it just keeps going. Yeah, but going. that energy is just, yeah, never ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. Well, Marisha, we have much to say to each other, apparently. <laughs> but our time is shortish, um, at least for this conversation. Uh, okay, if people are interested, of course, in the book, it's The Way Home to Love, A Guide to Peace in Turbulent Times. I'm sure they can get it on Amazon or um, may, can they do it on um, – where can they get the book? Where can they get the book? Let's start well, they, there. They can get it on Amazon. Uh, just click on books and type in the title or my name yep. and you'll get the book. Uh, you can also go to the um, my website, which is snowdragonsanctuary.com. Snowdragonsanctuary.com. And mm-hmm. if someone thinks, this, she sounds so awesome, I don't just want to read her book. I want to meet her. I want to go talk to her. How can they do that? What do they got to do if they want to actually meet you and come and and take and, and take part in your teaching? Well, the best thing to do uh, to initially would be to email and uh, to find out what our schedule is and what what we have going on here, and then to be able to link into uh, one of those programs. Do you ever travel to do your teaching, or do you do it all through I the do. sanctuary? No, I I do travel sometimes. Yes, uh, just it depends upon you know the. The situation, but yes, I travel. Well, Marisha, you're a very down-to-earth person. Uh, I love talking to down-to-earth people about things that are not of the earth, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, it's been a real delight talking to you. Uh, I, I look for this is only book one, so I look forward to, to, to books two, three, and however many there are. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Thanks again. Well, everybody, yes, love, peace. Remember, write what you love. What you love is your guide. Find what you love and just follow it, follow it, follow it. You can't go wrong. Marisha is so right about that. So I will be back next week talking to a very different kind of writer. I'm going to be talking to Blaine Harden about his book, King of Spies. Oh, my God. Until then, just go do something you love with someone you love.